And I was wearing a Star Wars shirt and I was walking across a crosswalk and he looks at me and goes, live long and prosper, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Hey, it's Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you know, just trying, trying some new sounds. I, I feel oh, like right. I've just settled into like what feels right for me. You, you definitely enjoy exploring characters. <laughs> I haven't done a great do, job of it, but I want when we to. do like bits like that that you just have to do. It's part of the medium. Anyway, welcome back for another another podcast hang to talk about philosophy and science and stuff to philosophize to philosophize special thanks as always to our backers on patreon who throw us as little as a buck an episode to help lighten the load on yay patreon for this stuff and uh if you don't want to deal with a whole separate website just go give us a thumbs up or a like or whatever and wherever it is that you're listening to this stuff, probably Apple. Click the like button, the heart, the thumbs up, whatever. It helps. Makes a big <laughs> difference. So uh so we we've had I don't know why we've been avoiding this topic. Um I think of it as saving it. Savoring it. it's it's a channel that has existed in one form of show note or another since probably our very first conversation about we should do a podcast definitely and it's and it's always been passed over (laughs) after brief consideration every single time we try to decide what's an episode to just get on the calendar i don't want to be done i don't want to be done with it you know i don't want to have done it and then not be able to do it again it's it's possibly, it's a topic that I think we're possibly, we've probably spent more time in our life worrying about the presentation of a subset of arguments in support of one side or another longer than anything else in my life. Oh, wow. I've had so, I've had this conversation so many times and it still doesn't, it still doesn't end up being something that's on a list that you're like, ooh, that's a that's a good nugget. Let's save that for later. <laughs> it's the ultimate conversation. You know, it's the most important thing to be discussing in the whole world. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I hope. I, I honestly, I think the reason that, from like a a, produ- a producer standpoint. I feel like it's a conversation that if you don't sort of know us by having listened to a few episodes before you get to it, is just going to sound like the comic book store guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> like <laughs> when when we've had real philosophical conversations about the universe that Star Wars lives in versus the universe that Star Trek lives in and how they can and can't be compared you know, for the purpose of whatever they are, stories, you know, springboards for imaginary adventures. <laughs> I don't know. Like springboards for all kinds of things. Social like commentary. Where do you start with this conversation, right? Like what what is it do you run down the difference between the I feel like they're both included in science fiction. Well, 
first, but don't there's you a think genre we should... rundown to do from there. Don't you think we should introduce what Star Wars and Star Trek are for the listeners who don't know? Oh, good lord! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Nerds rule now. Everyone knows what these I'm two sorry, things they are. Did, they don't know. <laughs> uh, Everybody, if you don't know, leave the house now. They're everywhere. <laughs> You'll bump into it. <laughs> um, did you see where I'm going with that? Uh, no, I like, was Is it a question of genre? Is it a question of imaginary adventure? Is it a question of which ship would explode the other one oh. if they were encountered each other in space? Oh, that's how we could do a whole new podcast on this. <laughs> it would be great. There are podcasts on this. I've listened to podcasts. You know what? <laughs> Aside, but relevant, uh, one of my favorite websites, uh, maybe not favorite, but like most useful websites, most used websites is a website called Stack Overflow. It's a programming site. It's like a Q&A site, extremely well designed and run. I won't get into the details, but they have a sister site that is role playing. It's specifically for role playing like Q&A, community Q&A, <clears throat> kind of like Quora, if you're familiar with Quora or any forum, but like more modern and better. And there's a specific question on this role-playing site that someone asks how many people would it take for me to steal a star destroyer and the answer that won on that post is unbelievable it is like 10 pages long and it is like a history of war machines and their personnel building up from like the beginning of war in the world all the way through all of these different sci-fi worlds, then into all these technical manuals around Star Wars. And then it, it distills it down very explicitly to like the absolute minimum crew required to, to penetrate a base, board a Star Destroyer, occupy it, man all the relevant systems and get it out of port and steal it. And it's excellent. <laughs> it's an excellent read. Well, it's a funny thing because it's like the difference in the two universes are sort of matters of scale, but then you have funny conversations like in Star Wars, they use uh, like turbo lasers, they call them, right? So you can assume that the underlying technology is a laser. There's the Star Trek, the next generation episode where they encounter this like roguish Han Solo type in a, in a busted ass ship <laughs> and, and they do a weapon scan and, and Worf, like, real snidely says, oh, they're firing lasers. <laughs> like, they won't even penetrate the shields of the Enterprise. So the weapons they're using, ion cannons, apparently are not a big deal up against phasers and photon torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> which are the two, which are the, the prime means of... of destruction in in the respective universes the uh gosh there's so many places this could go but it sounds like there's millions of people on a star destroyer did they ever say how many people like like because uh, conclusion... it doesn't matter if you if you if you're if you can just squash the ship by running over it real fast does it matter if they have photon torpedoes <laughs> like, there's a there's this weird element of scale i feel like to talk about between the two i was my in my head i was going for uh like the storytelling side of it i the thing i distilled star wars and star trek down to is that star wars is a an epic storytelling of good versus evil 
humanity and and people and individual stories star trek is like a the movies are kind of also that but the shows have traditionally been uh like wonderful platforms for social commentary and a view of how like a positive view of how the world could be in the future and that's sort of what i was chasing earlier with the idea of the genre piece right like they're both science fiction in that they're made up in this world that kind of dwells in this gadgetry and technology and whatever, right? This future idea, even though technically speaking, Star Wars was a long time oh, ago. I hate that. <laughs> galaxy far, me. far away. <laughs> it's like, what's a cutesy way I can be a little different? <laughs> uh, anyway, they both, they fit in sci-fi, right? But then there's this sort of sub piece of like, Star Trek is what you would call harder sci-fi, I feel like. Like it 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 really is trying to be a vision of our future. The other one is just kind of fantasy. Like Star Wars is knights and dragons and like epic quests and mind powers and like it it exists on this scale that's for like like fucking Trojan War epic. <laughs> you know, Iliad Odyssey sized stories, massive armies and like versus this thing that's sort of like, hey, if we assume a bunch of scientific principles regarding our ability to explore the universe, here's interesting questions we would encounter. Like, is this alien just like us? Have you have you watched the first series extensively? Uh, I I have not a lot. I actually have it's not really seen very many at all. Adventure. Yeah. Well, but it all they fit it all into this narrative where like they have different shows about different phases of this exploration, right? Like Enterprise is about fuck that. I, I'm not going to jump off a cliff of breaking down yeah. what all the different Star Trek episodes. The real <laughs> the answer you gave me once to try to 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 push forward support for star trek over star wars was to actually chase down how many hours of content have been made if you can't like if you were to try to aggregate aggregate all of the storytelling that has happened in that universe visual videography media and star trek has an hour per show 10 seasons 24 seasons 24 episodes a season for one of its series. And then it has like six or seven yeah. series. Plus like 25 and, movies. And a whole bunch of movies. like Almost all blockbusters. Way more canon storytelling in the Star Trek world. But I think more books have been written about the Star Wars world. Too. Which lends itself to fantasy, right? Like their world building that they, that they go after is... It's not about exploration, Star Wars is kind of always about the same storyline. It's a series that has the same characters drawn through and the same stories told consistently. Whereas Star Trek being a show or Star Trek has always been, uh, I don't know the right Hollywood terms for this, but it's been a show that doesn't need to be watched in order 
but kind of does, <laughs> you know, like they're, they reference old shows, but it's not like one show to the next episodic it's, it's, versus serial yeah. is what they call it. It's, it's not, it's episodic with a little bit of serialness to it. Um, and then it's just been, it's been, there's been so much of it that there've been shows, shows have hopped to be like in the future and in the past multiple times, whole series have been, we've had them ranging in time from like 50 years from now, all the way up to like 400 years from now uh, across six different shows, maybe one, two, three, four, five, I think six, maybe five. Man, the concept of Voyager was remarkable. I only watched the first few seasons before something else in my life, like maybe girls replaced that time. But like the idea of taking a spaceship out really too far away by mistake because of a temporal anomaly <laughs> and then just knowing like well at the best that we can possibly hope for unless we find a wormhole we might get home in two or three generations <laughs> <laughs> like you're you just found out you're gonna die in this tin can with a bunch of people like all of these people tin can they've got a freaking holodeck with your just your co-workers what do you need to go home for <laughs> go home on the stupid holodeck Talk about good VR. They're hooked up on that place. So then what for you, for what, what I feel like when you, when you break it down that way, like as it's like, well, it's a different type of story. Then it becomes a question of just what makes you happier and who cares about it. If one's better than the other. <laughs> well, I mean, one is, why is it one such is an better ongoing, than the other? Well, why is it such an <laughs> ongoing hypothetical conversation, right? Like, where does this conversation dwell that makes it a worthwhile thing to have, right? Like it's, are they competing mythologies that are different ways of kind of, that's a good way to put about it about the, the world or like if everything's just a parable, they are, then what do you, which one is, are you, I think generally I've, I'm inspired by Star Trek. I think Trek. Star Trek's the oddity here. You know, yeah. Star Wars is really it. Cap it was, I think, at the time when the original Star Wars movie came out, it was kind of the first big, uh, like real mainstream blockbuster introduction of sci-fi into like movies. Right? It was it was an early film in that space that like really yeah. blew Block people. It was, it's, it's like whoa, that really looks like outer space. That really looks like a space fighter. Um, when Star Wars dropped, it was like people didn't really conceive of movies the way that we think about blockbusters. Like they didn't think about these big summer movies that epic in scale and everybody goes to see them. Like they jaws kind of broke that one wide open, but then star Trek star Wars was just this epic space opera action movie. Like just the world has never seen it's now standardized into a format that's just like, oh, yep, it's a Fast and Furious movie. Right. Here are the things to expect. But, like, no one knew what to expect when Star Wars came out. And it was just like, whoa. They And I think Star Trek was the same way. But Star Trek's not so epic. And so it ends up being... Like, the original Star Trek was way more campy. The original Star Trek wasn't very successful either, right? It, it initially, I think it only became Two successful seasons. in syndication. Yeah. Uh, and then Star Trek The Next Generation, I think, is what really blew up the Star Trek world. I think Star Wars 
did a really good job of putting humans into outer space and then telling the story of like a a small a, a very specific story um about a small group of humans uh doing their thing going on their adventure right and and Star Wars in that sense they tie in all the future technology again in, in the past but whatever they tie in all this <laughs> technology and like space travel and and uh, the Millennium Falcon uh, hyperdrive and uh, big lasers that can destroy planets. And then they tie in aliens and stuff, but it's always kind of ancillary to the key story. There's like there are multiple love stories going on. There's multiple adventure stories. There's like family and revenge and and can I do it? Can't I do it? Uh, which is in every story. Uh, but Star Trek, in contrast to that, really emphasizes the the shows at least in the next generation specifically but that kind of set the trend for the rest of the shows uh it really emphasizes like society and politics and behavior and sociology and it's a very academic show if you look at it from that perspective it just happens to present that stuff in a science fiction setting which also happens to be aligned well, I think, with the audience that wants to watch shows about politics as like kids, right? It's like a really cool way to introduce that stuff. You've got, it's not, the, the aliens are no longer ancillary characters to set, to to create the setting. They are the story, right? It's how does, how does this one race interact with this other race across time and space? And in that way, it's more of a soap opera in that it goes from, episode like it's still this epic story but the epicness is is just sort of it keeps going and going and going <laughs> going and going i mean they're definitely they're episodes of <laughs> star trek that are sometimes you they win emmys <laughs> like that's what star trek was like for 10 years in our childhood star trek was <laughs> star trek the next generation was the first uh tv show i think to cost a million dollars an episode to have budget a million dollars an episode Maybe something like that. It, I, something, something like that. It had a it, a serious budget, uh, and it was it was like the most expensive TV show of all time in aggregate. I think over over its lifespan, um, and it then uh, I kind of want to do a little history. I don't know where to go. I want to say so many things about these two things, <laughs> Star Trek and Star Wars. There's so much to talk about, and there's so much joy. So, like, I think I think the social context of these things are are relevant um and it's interesting seeing like star wars was sort of quiet for a while because it was mostly movies only you could get books and now it's coming back because disney bought it and they want to leverage it so good on them yeah i mean star wars was quiet for a long time right it was quiet for like 25 years because it was it's the original movie was 70 78 79 77 yeah but return of the jedi was like mid 80s right so it had like that six year period and then it kind of just rested on that for a long time until like the late 90s they started releasing like remastered so digital technology came around and spielberg not spielberg george lucas george and lucas. spielberg right they were they both worked on it didn't they uh he was involved in the originals i don't anyway, know what he had to do with it. george lucas was like hey i'm gonna remaster this stuff i'm gonna use some new technologies and get them in there and uh and then he released new movies don't go there yet. <laughs> it's not criticized George Lucas time yet. Or maybe ever. 
We should play that song. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm th- <laughs> what I'm thinking about is it's it's interesting that that's a part of the conversation. Like, no one criticizes Gene Roddenberry. Of course like, Nobody's not. like, these, these, <laughs> these hats tried to make another show and it was dumb. Like, it's weird that this Star Wars you know, like, was dreamed up by this one guy. And there's this cult of conversation, even about his merits. <laughs> like, no one knows who made those fucking sequels. Raped my childhood. <laughs> that song's great. You should put it in the show notes for sure. I was trying to, but it's too hard to find things. Okay, so so let's chase let's chase that argument about the amount of storytelling that exists. Uh, so the breakdown on Star Wars: you got the original three movies, right? I'm not counting reshapings, whether they changed the narrative or not. <laughs> Who like, shot first? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't fucking matter, right? It's just that's a moment. It's in the registry with all the other moments. Star Wars, you got the original three movies, three prequels, right? Original, then Rogue One. Yep. Then one more saga movie. There's also some like kids movies with Ewoks. There's like a Christmas special. Oh, yeah, there were some cool Ewok there's movies. Some animated cartoons and stuff. Totally. I think I'm sure there's I been a Rebels ton of has other. been running for six or seven seasons. But where I'm kind of going with it is it doesn't matter. A lot of Star Trek has run for six or seven seasons. It's not you're still not offsetting Star the Trek's amount of third time. in terms of TV and movie media. You've got the original series, which wasn't super successful, I don't think, at the time. I think it was three seasons, uh, probably not 20 episodes. I don't, I don't remember. I, I'm not as familiar with the first series. But then Next Generation comes on the scene in like the 90s, early 90s. That thing was a behemoth, which set the stage. That was seven seasons, 22 episodes per season, I think. Uh, hour-long episodes. Then uh, Deep Space Nine comes on at the same time those were on t- those were dominating tv at the same time they yeah. had like crossover episodes this- and stuff the, yeah. the enterprise would dock at deep space nine the space station deep space nine killed it too it's sort of like a lovable secondary character from the next generation like was the narrative bridge <laughs> to carry you into the new episode oh, yeah. to o'brien, o'brien or whatever his yeah. name was lieutenant o'brien he was in engineering. <laughs> lieutenant o'brien <laughs> <laughs> he was he was kind of like a goofball but then they kind of made him get made him hard-edged in deep space nine because deep space nine was dark deep space nine was super <laughs> successful another seven seasons same production it was kind of like the same world but it was a different place in the in the world uh and then then you had voyager after that again killed it seven seasons hour episodes 22 episodes whatever uh then you had uh enterprise, enterprise. Which was which I think ran for five or six seasons. It also, did. which was like early Enterprise, like no transporters. It was yet. like the first just spaceship, ship. the first ship that was named the Enterprise that was a spaceship. Um, and then there was another one too recently. Uh, I think only did a couple. Uh, there's a new one coming. Oh, there's up. a new one coming up. So in any case, but then every there's movies, every season, every series had movies. Oh no, they didn't. Only, only if only a handful did. The original, original show. There were seven original series movies, and those be- that were really successful. Like the movies, 
were the original cast movies were more like Star Wars, I yeah. think, in that they were just big adventure movies. And they were really successful. That's what made that's time. what made Star Trek, essentially, right? The show didn't didn't pull it off there. Yeah. Those movies brought but it back. But at the same time, they were doing the next generation on TV. Mm-hmm. And then when that ran its course, they started making next generation and movies. And they did some great transition movies. Four of those. Where they had, there was time there travel time and they mixed the characters <laughs> from the two from the old <laughs> cast and the new cast. Those were excellent. Those are some of my favorite episodes. Star Trek Generations. That's probably my favorite Star Trek movie. That's the first next generation the first one right. with the next generation cast yeah but william shatner's right. heavy in it and so is so is a bunch of the original cast and it's just it's tight the combo you mean heavy and heavy in in the narrative not in stature in, in every way <laughs> oh he's uh he's porked up a little bit i think <laughs> he's got the barrel going but he's baller you don't mess with captain kirk <laughs> barrel you know you're captain kirk no you get a little old you're, you're gonna embrace the man barrel a little bit what you for do. sure <laughs> Uh, I think when I was, I went through a period a few years ago, long time, long time ago, six, seven years ago, where I was on a quest to watch every single piece of Star Trek that had ever been made. And I think at the time when I calculated, it was like 750 hours of TV and movies. Uh, And I got through maybe like a third of it before I was just absolutely burned out. I couldn't go any further. Uh, I think I've seen almost all the movies. I've watched the entire Next Generation at least once, if not multiple times for episodes. Um, that's a behemoth. That's a lot of media to get through. And it's consistent. The stories tie together. They reference each other all the time. It's it's like, it's an incredible creation. There's an X factor in this that you sort of, I think, have to talk about the ecosystem for if you're going to try to chase just how much time has gone into telling stories mm-hmm. in this space or consumption, how much time has gone into consumption of stories in this space which is books. Like, I think there's a richer ecosystem of Star Wars books. I think there are tons. Then there are Star Trek books, although there are both. Um, And if you think about how long it takes you to read a novel that's 500 pages, and if that's what you're chasing then they probably have thousands of books. Thousands is probably aggressive, but there are certainly in the upper hundreds of other Star Wars stuff that's been licensed to consume. Um, There's a lot of Star Trek books, too. I'm seeing... Holy shit. There might actually be way more Star Trek books now that I'm looking at Wikipedia. Really? I've never seen a Star Trek book. (laughs) I've seen Star Wars books all the time. There are a lot of Star Wars books, too. I've read a bunch of Star Wars books. Oh, no, there are a lot of Star Wars. There are um, hundreds. There are hundreds of both, I think. So then you got to add in how, how hard it is to read read that, you know, like how long it takes to read that book. But it sounds like if they have equivalent bases of literature, you can probably assume that those data points offset. I think these are an interesting case where the books actually don't outweigh the the visual media because these started as visual media and then were ported over to books, which is the opposite of a lot of stuff, right? Right. You're envisioning a universe already when you yeah. start reading one. This of isn't books. like, did you read the book first? There weren't books first. So these these stay... This battle stays on the television screen. <laughs> I've never I've never watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I, but I have read a novelization that I bought at a book fair <laughs> in in 
fifth grade. Wow. <laughs> those book fairs, I remember those. Even back then, I really liked to acquire books, but I didn't really like to sit and read them. <laughs> Such a strange thing. I read a bunch of Star Wars books that I got like at book fairs and shit. Like there's a great one called Tales from Jabba's Palace. It's just a collection of short stories all about minor characters from that scene. Um, I can't compare. I haven't read enough Star Trek books. I, I... There's a point where I flunk out of nerd status for both of these things. I do too. The things that I'm nerdy that about, I'm I am deep on them. Like I can talk Star Trek with anyone, I think, for the most part. But uh, the shows and the movies and the world and the technologies. But you're right. They're probably like comic books. They're probably like animated series I haven't seen. There's books. There's probably coloring books. I probably had a Star Trek coloring book at some point. I definitely had Star Wars pop-up books. I used to play Star Wars computer games. I had a TIE Fighter game where you just fly around in a TIE Fighter. I remember TIE Fighter. That was a huge deal when it came out. Yeah. Didn't really run on my computer. It was disappointing. So let's, let's, uh, let's discuss our favorite pieces of Star Trek and Star Wars. Is there like a thing that comes to mind? If you were to, if someone was to ask you, what's like your favorite thing about Star Wars? Swords. Swords. The, The lightsabers. They don't have swords in Damn Star right. Trek. You nailed it. That's a huge one. I've never heard that. <laughs> never heard it put that way. That's huge. You might have just swayed me to Star Wars. <laughs> the primary hero group in that movie just carries around a motherfucking sword. They battle sword. with swords. With their mind and with <laughs> swords. That's how every nerd wants to battle. Everyone else is Every nerd knows that guns are boring, swords are awesome, and if you can beat someone with just your brain, you're the pinnacle of it. So they <laughs> Star Wars really nails the battles between between the uh the primary characters. Um, <laughs> that's 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 the succinct way that I've come up with to present everything I think you need to know about the difference. That's a great distinction uh, between the universes. Hand-to-hand combat's not really a thing in Star no, Trek. It's not. Unless it's like once in a while. A Kirk. Kirk and a it pops Klingon up. Punching. Yeah, you see Klingons. Klingons bust out the bat lefts and other various swords that have Klingon names. Uh <laughs> but it's not a it's not like a, swords in Star Wars are the thing. That is the theme. That's what everyone pictures. The sound of the lightsaber coming out and the bright lights and the crackling and crushing as they hit each other. It's awesome. It's like the best sword play in history. So then Star Trek, what's your favorite thing about Star Trek that that it's less sways the scales? The thing on that I side. always talk about at Star Trek that's my favorite thing is way less fantastic than the thing you just named about Star Wars, but I think it might be more important which is why I like it. And it, it speaks to why, how I feel about Star Trek in general. And it's, it's this storyline. And I'm not even sure if I exactly tell this right, but it's kind of how I like to think the Star Wars, Star Trek world is the, the story is kind of that like the U S military evolved into Starfleet, which is like the human space exploration agency on earth. And it, it evolved from this thing that we think of now as like this war machine, but it evolved into this, this organization for scientific and like uh, scientific exploration of the universe that is there very specifically with this like well-known set of rules within that universe of how to do good, how to be good, how to explore for the sake of exploring, how to be like noble. And that theme 
uh, is just core to at least the Star Trek shows. So then your favorite thing is the prime my, directive. Oh, there we go. You've, you, yeah, my favorite thing perhaps is, <laughs> is the history and the implementation and use of the prime directive. Uh, which, which is, uh, which is essentially, I feel like you should look it up. It's probably, yeah, it probably exists, has a know, very like specific, a two or three sentence. There's a mission statement, look it up. Right? prime directive, which I should be able to just yeah. to boldly go or no prime directive. Wikipedia one has gone before. Let's see if it has a specific, uh, Oh, Whoa. The Prime Directive, I've never, I'm not sure I've ever heard this put this way. The Prime Directive is explicitly defined in the March 1968 set episodes of the original series Bread and Circuses. <clears throat> Here it is. No identification of self or mission. Wow. Wasn't expecting that to be the starter. No interference with the social development of said planet. No references to space or the fact that there are other worlds or civilizations. So in that context, it's very specifically referencing like the exploration point when you find a new species or you find a new planet, you can't interfere. Like you can study and, and explore, uh, but don't screw stuff up. Like let the universe kind of unfold as it will, you know? But I've never noticed the, I've never heard the first piece there, which they chose to put put in the front. No identification of self or mission. But I guess that's in reference to the the people. Well, you can't, it's, what I think is interesting there is that they have, and then in the lore of the development of how you apply the prime directive, which is sort of how law plays out for real, it, it like, there are episodes about how do you establish when a, when a species is developed enough that you can reveal the secrets to right them. one of the movies is about that specific time period where humans develop a technology that like alerts the universe that hey it's time to interact right. with these people they're they've discovered something that's going to put them in they discovered time warp like travel. warp tech it was yeah. the warp drive when we turned on the first warp drive the universe doesn't like the boric show up and go we what sense up? no the uh i think the uh vulcans show up first the contact. vulcans drop in that yeah star trek first contact uh we we launch a first spaceship that has a warp drive on it and we like warp drive out to the moon and back real quickly in like an instant. Uh, and then the Vulcans sense it and they just show up and humans didn't know it. But all of a sudden you're like, hey, you've got this technology. You're about to discover all this stuff. We're the intergalactic group that is here to greet you and to help you on your way. But until then, you're just this isolated species on your planet and we're not to be interfered with. That's a cool concept and it layers in a lot of really cool storylines like there are whole episodes of star trek where they find these planets where there are like diseases or the planet's collapsing or there's like a civil war and the whole planet is about to destroy itself and there are these long debates about what to do like do we interfere how much do we interfere which side do we do? like if a well, whole gotta, planet and you got to think about things like they have matter replicators so you you if they go to a, a planet where they can recognize that this society and its development is not going to make it over this hurdle where sometimes civilizations starve to death and you could just make food in your replicator and give it to them. Do you do it or do you step back and go, well, that's how it goes sometimes. And, and then how do you, right. Cause it, it presents, didn't get to talk to those ones. They killed themselves. It presents first. other problems. Like who do you choose to save there? 
if a whole planet is at civil war and it's split half and half, how, who do you pick? Right? That planet's an isolated system. There's not good or evil on that planet, right? There's just there are two sides. What do you do? It's a prime directive. I don't tend to feel that vagary from Star Trek. Star Wars. From Star Wars. Star Wars is a lot more like a sort of blunt. They're goblins. They're bad. Star just Wars is classic. <laughs> Star Wars is very is like the classic human storytelling reaction of good and evil right there's heaven and hell there's god and there's satan uh which is powerful and interesting and that's important too it's like right because you can't like you can't have those other debates without having to look at like from my perspective there is good and evil right from a global perspective there's not there's just me and the other guy but they're interesting how they they stay in those places the movies don't the star trek movies go into the the good and evil pretty hard a lot because they're more adventure tales but the shows are deep. And my personal struggle in this debate ends up being I love them both equally for things that they, that thinking about the universe, you know, uh, accesses for me. But I don't know how to, like, the problem I have, the feeling I get off of Star Wars is that it's more childish. And I don't necessarily think that's accurate. And I don't like that I feel that way. <laughs> but I tend to be like, okay, if I, if I, if what I'm craving right now is an enriching experience, Star Trek's the way to go. Whereas Star Wars is just like, that's just epic. That's, that's, Evil's bad. That's not even debatable. If you're going for rich depth of experience and exposure, Star Trek is, is, maybe the most of that of anything ever made i think <laughs> i believe if you're looking for like a pirate story yeah, if you're looking for pirates <laughs> and adventure and and smugglers and and hero hero finding his family but then the family is turned and like that adventure that's exciting it's so exciting star trek is not there are episodes of star trek that are like sleepers. I mean, they'll make you think, but you're snoring through some of them. I just watched one recently where the the whole episode is just a trial over whether or not Data has free will. Because if he doesn't, the scientist wants to detach his head and take it to a lab somewhere. And in order that the trial play out in a way that Starfleet will sanction it, Riker has to represent the other oh, side. Right. Picard and Riker. So it's Riker and Picard arguing about whether or not Data is Captain alive. Captain and First Officer going head to head in an intergalactic court to save, save or destroy the life of their friend and coworker. <laughs> you don't get that out of and Star Riker's Wars. like, I have to do my best as my duty, but as your friend, I don't know what to do. And Data's just like, do, you, you must don't do spoil your best. The episode, <laughs> That's a good one. No, there I are, won't. I mean, you got to watch it. It plays out like a stage play, There are probably play, a right? dozen like more... Star Trek episodes that are court battles. <laughs> there are whole movies that are like, have, they're court battles all over. I used to see that a lot in Star Wars, too, oh, yeah. Though. That uh, uh, Undiscovered That's Country so is the one where they're, when they're on trial for... Rora Pente! <laughs> oh, no, not Rora Pente! <laughs> <laughs> so I just did my favorite Star Trek, and you did your favorite Star Wars. We could each do okay. our other favorite. Uh, what's my favorite Star Wars? Your favorite Star Trek. You what did, did Star Wars. You did lightsabers. Star Wars. Star Trek. 
Um, I think my favorite thing in Star Trek is the... It probably comes back to T. Earl Grey hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the idea of how casually he orders such a specific thing, and then it pops up, and it's just like, and away I go. Like The replicators. The fact that the replicators were... The fact that we invent a technology that makes it so that we can manipulate matter on such a level that famine and scarcity of resources is not a problem anymore and everybody's like cool we got nothing really to fight about let's go explore the universe like it's a bro that's the crux piece to me in what allows that broader exploration yeah. of, of that, that level of cooperation yeah, and it's all because the star replicators. trek presents itself at least in the shows typically as though kind of like earth has reached a point where everyone's for the most part, healthy and taken care of, and pretty sure we had a huge war. Oh yeah, there was after which we there was a World War Three. Right? Like, wasn't there? Yeah, a, yeah. World War Three. Definitely, there was a World War Three. I think that happened. That's like right when we we discovered like warp drive during World War Three or something like that. But um, the, uh, the Star Star Trek kind of exists in a world where like humanity has kind of we've progressed past the thing that we're always afraid of. There's not a risk of like nuclear war anymore. The planet is stable and safe and humanity is like one united force exploring the universe. And then it brings in the other storylines through other cultures and races and planets and like outposts and stuff in space. So it still has the grunge, but Star Trek generally is like clean. It's like clean ships, like pressed uniforms. Uh, the team's just hanging out, doing experiments and writing reports. <laughs> All their, yeah, their needs are taken care of to the point that, like, they don't really talk about anyone sleeping ever. <laughs> they There's some, you know, there's some, like, health doohickeys that make you heal faster. The, yeah. uh, <laughs> the replicator is especially interesting right now because as of 15 years ago, it was complete fantasy, but now we have 3D printing, which is approaching the molecular level. And so we're getting to the point where we have an actual technology in existence that you can buy for your for your desktop at home, like on your desk that manipulates material to like make things in three dimensions out of nothing. Uh, so that technology is kind of coming. Right. Which is another piece that's neat. Uh, that is a theme with Star Trek, I think, because of its its closer ties with technology. You can read a lot of books on both of these worlds where they talk, where you talk about like the science of Star Trek and Star Wars. And I think it's usually an afterthought more with Star Wars. There are books that are written about the science as though, hey, this is how that could be plausible. Whereas I think a lot of scientific uh, planning and research went into Star Trek on the way in. So a lot of the stuff is based on theories uh of things that we expect to get someday that we could discover and create. So uh, it makes the, again, the richness and the depth there of the science, the science part of the fi, sci-fi. So what's your favorite on Star uh, Wars? My favorite thing on Star Wars is kind of the opposite of what we were just talking a little bit. I like the grunge and, and really to sum it up, I like Han Solo. I like this dude who's got a sick ass ship that he like won playing poker and he's traveling around the galaxy with his Wookiee <laughs> stealing shit and selling shit and sneaking in places and smuggling things around 
doesn't really care about either side. He's not really good or evil. Uh, he's just fun. His <laughs> ship's dirty. It doesn't work all the time. But when it does work, it's the fastest ship in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> when it does work. <laughs> he's tight. He's just so fun and so adventurous. And just he's right. just this great, cool dude. He's like a single bachelor dude just crushing stuff around the universe. <laughs> <laughs> can't beat that guy smashing around the universe the and i think that's the thing that it's hard to make coexist with the society that's like there's a lot more room for a smuggler in a wartime narrative. way more and star trek touches <laughs> on that in uh deep space nine is like it's the it's a whole series Star Trek show and the whole series is set on the furthest outpost I think that the Federation like the Earth has the furthest away from Earth like it's by some temporal anomaly you go yeah. through a wormhole and you're suddenly really far away It's basically away from on Earth. a trade route it's on like a really famous trade route at the edge yeah. of our galaxy and so that one is like dirty and messy right it's like these it's the story of the people running this outpost where starships are coming in and out and it's like the smugglers port and stuff well, I think it used to be, it, it was also a Cardassian like battle <laughs> right. station around I the think, planet out there. Something like that. So it's not, so it doesn't have like a proper market, but to make the politics in this place work, to have civilians there as to just be an outpost on a trade route, like you need general stores and you need restaurants and you need like stuff to support a civilian population that if you're talking about a military population, it's just like you have the mess hall. That's where you go to eat. Totally. We don't think about this is where you go to buy. That's the most unique Star Trek show. I think it might even be like the most real, the most guttural, like human Star Trek show too. Cause it really dives into uh, the personalities and the struggles of day-to-day life. Whereas the rest of the Star Trek shows, they do, they touch on those subjects, but for the most part, it's like Picard in his clean press uniform, reading his iPad. Hey, and we found tea. a new thing. It's pretty simple. It's exciting. Know? Yeah, right. His day-to-day life is just researching things on various screens, thinking about things, writing it's about things. amazing, by the way, when you go watch <laughs> Star Trek, the older episodes, and how frequently they're using iPads and iPhones. It's unbelievable. Because as a kid, you're oh yeah, they just what they is that them. thing? It's just they this fantasy thing. But I use my I use Captain McCard's iPad all the time, and it's it's incredible. Fucking <laughs> tricorder noises and shit. Okay, I feel like it's a good place to get out of here. That was a fun way to do it. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks for uh, you know weigh in. Hit us up on Patreon. You can get into our Slack channel and. And uh, continue the debate. We didn't even pull anything out of the channel this time. I think we came loaded to bear with our own baggage. I love talking about these. I would like to do a whole podcast where we just go through every episode and every movie of Star Trek and Star Wars and talk about them. There's there's a podcast that does that better than we would, I think. Really? I can't remember what it's called, though. Yeah. I got to get back on that, Um, too. I got two-thirds of the Star Trek world to still get through. But uh, thanks for hanging out. I'm I'm Ryan. Thanks for traveling the universe with us, everybody. Live long and prosper. (laughs) To say there, may the force be with you. (laughs) Oh.